Let's eat. What is love? It isn't a noun. Love is not a thing. You don't possess love. You don't keep love in a jar on your shelf, so when people come over, you can pull it down and say, "Look, this is my love. Isn't it pretty?" No, love is a verb. A verb expresses action. You don't have love. You do love. Love is dynamic. It disrupts and dissolves our preconceptions and prejudgments of others. When we do love, we bind ourselves to each other. Love is sticky. It's messy. Once you get a little on you, it's hard to shake. Love is the superglue of the human race. John three sixteen. Because God loved a dynamic action. The world, every human being, whether you are black, brown, white, male, female, Christian, Catholic, atheist, Muslim, straight, gay, transgender, it doesn't matter, because God loves you. How do we know? Remember that dynamic action. God let us murder His perfect Son as the payment for our lack of doing love. First Corinthians thirteen. God is patient. God is kind. God is not jealous. God does not brag. God is not prideful. God is not rude. God is not selfish. God is not easily angered. God does not keep a list of mistakes. God does not enjoy evil. God protects. God trusts. God hopes. God perseveres because God is love, and God never fails. Hey girls, so I'm like very slowly making my way up to this. It's like an obstacle course in here, you guys, for real. Um, so my name is Crystal. For those of you guys who are new tonight, welcome to Crash. We're glad you're here. Um, also, we have in the house with us tonight one of the OGs, like real OG, like original small group before Crash is Crash OG. My friend Faith here. Yes, welcome back, Faith. We love and miss you. So if you know her, come say hi afterwards. Um, so we're going to continue in First John tonight, but before we get started, y'all, I need some prayer. So let's do that. Um, God, thanks for tonight. Thank you for the privilege that it is um, to be in the same room together, to talk about you in freedom, um, to study your word, to open it in freedom together. I just pray for, yeah, I pray for the Holy Spirit to just come and be with us um, tonight, that as we open it up, you would open our hearts and there would be connection between your word and what we do next. So, um, God, thanks for, just thanks for this. Help me, because I always need it. In your name, amen. All right, guys, so last week we talked in First John 2, and does anyone remember kind of the bottom line of what we, we figured out the second chapter was trying to say? It was, you are what you do, yes. Not what, exactly, not what you say. And why is that important? It's important because um, we're asking the question, what does it say, and then what does it mean, and then what does it mean to me? And this is an important question, not concerning salvation, not, because remember how the chapter started out, like, if we screw it up, if we sin, we have a mediator. We have Jesus who covers us and protects us. But then he was saying, it's kind of a litmus test that you can apply to your life and to the lives of the people around you. Because if you say you know Jesus, but your life doesn't reflect that, then there's a good number of questions you should be asking, right? Not that we don't make mistakes, but that our life is always kind of going up and to the right. Right? Awesome. 
Good, I'm glad we're on the same page. So we're going to keep moving tonight in 1 John chapter 3. Um, and it's going to get real practical, you guys. So I'm excited. So we're going to go ahead and start. Um, if you could pull up the first slide, Chelsea. And it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us love not with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I love that, guys. It's so practical. It gets right to the heart of the thing. Here was my question, because um, often when we hear, like, scripture being read, like, you shall know, like, you're Christians, you're the body of Christ by your love, or you should love your neighbor. That seems very kind of, like, emotional sometimes, right? Here's what I would think, sitting in a chair listening to that. (sighs) There's this person at work that drives me, like, literally insane. Or there's this person in my family that if we're in the same room together, one of us is going to die because we're going to start that argument, you know? Um, And so the thought is, I don't feel any kind of tender emotion for this person. How in the world am I supposed to love them? And this is what I love about the Word of God, is that every part of the Word of God informs the other. So you don't just, like, read one isolated passage and say, I have no idea how this helps me in my life. You can then, like, look to other books and other topics and other places where it talks about love and see if it's informed at all. So I'm going to open up a chapter that you guys often hear read at weddings, and it's 1 Corinthians 13. Yes, we're going to go there. So if you have your phone Bible or your real Bible, they're both real. I meant paper. <laughs> um, open it up to 1 Corinthians 13. Um, And there's a list of things, starting in verse 4, that love is. So somebody help me. Love is. I'm going to start us off. Patient, yes. Kind, what else? Not envious, what else? Not boastful, what else? Not rude. Good one. Not proud. How about not selfish? Can we just sum that up? Not selfish? Ooh, no record of wrongs. Ooh, that's a good one, too. Ooh, heart's truth. No anger or no easily angered. I'm trying to keep up. Okay. Protects. Never fails. Does it hope? Hopes. Trusts. Okay. All right. Good luck reading that, guys. I'm sorry. (laughs) So what we have there and what you guys saw in the video, which I love what it said, is that love is an action. It's a verb. It's not an emotion. Um... I was reading on Instagram, for those of you guys who are Instagram junkies like me, I follow this, it doesn't matter what the name of it is, but anyway, I follow this wedding Instagram, and it has like little love quotes, and I saw this, and I screen captured it today, because I was like, oh, this is Instagram teaching us what we need to know tonight, Um, but it's a quote by a man named Eric Fromm, and it says, love is a decision, it's a judgment, it's a promise, 
If love were only a feeling, there would be no basis for the promise to love each other forever. A feeling comes and it may go. How can I judge that it will stay forever when my act does not involve judgment and decision? I love that because what he's saying is, how can I say that I love someone if my love is based solely on emotion and there's no will and no decision-making involved in it? So what we have here is a list of behaviors and actions. So I want to encourage you guys tonight. We can. What does it say? We are to love each other. But we can do that not because we have to, like, emotionally invest in it and be, like, lovey-dovey with someone that we have a hard time with. We can do behaviors. And not only are these behaviors that we can do, but they're things that we need to do. Um, And we're going to get into that in a minute. So as you look at this list, like, I remember my first crush. His name was Chad Grassmuck. Yes, Chad. He had red hair. To this day, I remember that red sparkly hair and how much I liked it. Um, It was second grade. And he was praying. The teacher, it was Christian school. The the teacher made him stand up and pray. And I was like, Chad, you're so godly. (laughs) I was like, and what I felt in those moments, I thought might be love. And then I I remember my, my high school crush. I had a couple of them. Their names all started with J for some reason. I don't know why I was into the J's in my high school years. Um, And I thought a lot about their jawline and their eyes, you know, how strong they were. That might have been love. And I remember, actually, my husband, for you guys who are friends of mine on Facebook, my husband loves to pull out the old pictures of our college years and post them all over. Yeah, I told him that I loved him, like, a month into dating. (laughs) First of all, no. (laughs) I did not. I thought I did, but I did not. Um, And I thought that I did. I thought that was love. I had this welling of emotion. We were on the beach. It was sunny and beautiful in Florida, and I had this emotional connection to this guy I'd been dating for a month, and I was like, I love you. I love you. But as I've been married 18 years now, I can tell you that that quote is really true, and if I hadn't put decision-making and will into this marriage of 18 years every day of that year— of those 18 years, and I hadn't been trying to practice these, and him in return to me, that we wouldn't be married still. Because if love is just a feeling, then love can go away. And that is not just true for romantic connections, guys. That's true for any kind of relational connection that you have. Friendships, family, neighbors, coworkers, whatever. So as we look at these things, and we see that we can be patient, we can be kind, We can be not envious, not boastful, not rude, not proud, not selfish. Um, The two that I think I struggle with the most, to be honest, would be this no keeping records of wrongs, right? Is anyone else in the room like me? Thanks. Girls, I love our honesty. Good job. Um, And also this one not here, not easily angered. I would say I'm not easily angered except for that one thing that someone does, and then it's like, boom, (laughs) like off the charts. So for me, if we're going to sit here and say, okay, on these things of actions, these are the ones where like, as I'm praying, and I'm like, okay, Lord, help me to love. Help me to love in practicality and in action. These are the things I need to be mindful of, not keeping a checklist in my head of the people that have done me wrong that day or that week or that month. And then over here, not, like, resting in that anger. I can be pretty kind. That one's not super hard. I can be pretty not boastful because I'm an introvert, so I don't even have to try real hard. (laughs) I just like to be quiet. You know, so there are things on here, and what's true for me is going to be true for you guys. There are things on here that are going to be easy for you to do. Some of you guys are just naturally, like, humble people. Bless you. 
some of you guys, some of you guys are naturally lovers of truth. And that is like where you find your joy and you're not easily moved from that. Some of you guys um, are protectors and that's a good thing. So as we look at this, I want to go back to the John chapter that we were reading. Um, and read it again. It says, with this filter on it, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So this makes it really, really practical. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. What does it say? There was life being laid down. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. How can you lay your life down in a practical way for the people around you? Here. This is how. And there might be other ways outside of this, but this is a really like practical, measurable way to say, in my relationships with my coworkers, am I boastful and rude? In my relationships with my family, am I keeping records of wrongs? And then we can keep going. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or in speech, but with actions and in truth. So what we also talked about last week is that knowing Jesus gives rise to obedience in our lives. So if I'm looking at Savannah, and Savannah says to me, this week, this month, we're broke. We have no groceries in our house. And I'm like, dude, that sucks. I'm really sorry. And then I go to my full fridge and have like a three-course meal and don't offer her anything. What have I done in that moment? I've not loved her. I've not been Jesus to her. What we're supposed to do is lay our lives down and share with those around us in need. And that can be all kinds of things. It doesn't have to be food. It can be supporting a missionary. It can be um, giving someone a ride who needs it. It can be something super simple like calling someone who's lonely or texting someone that you know has having a hard week. It can be praying for someone. It can be a number of things, you guys. But the point of this scripture (coughs) is if you see a need and you walk by that need, that you are not acting out of the love of Jesus in that moment. Okay, so then we're going to, like, move to what was the beginning. So I broke this up on purpose, and we went to the love part of the scripture first um, because I want to contrast it for you guys. So we're going to go to the beginning of the chapter in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. So what we just read was 16 to 18. We're going to go up a bit to 11 through 15. And John says, For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. So we just went—he is talking about love again— Don't be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and that you know no murderer has eternal life resting in him. That's like super heavy. That's why I didn't really want to start with that. (laughs) Um, But as we're reading that, and you're like, oh man— what does that mean? Does that mean if I'm super irritated with someone that I'm not a Christ follower? Does that mean that I'm murdering someone in my heart if I have a bad day with them? Like, for me, I really love that question of what does it mean because I need concrete, like, I need, just need concrete things. Um, I don't need, like, ethereal kind of out there. And some of you guys love that stuff. You want to talk theology all day long. Me, I'm like, let me, show me how to, like, put this into, into practice. So, Um, so it says, 
Don't be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. In that list of things we just read from 1 Corinthians 13, where do you think that, like, the scripture is saying Cain's heart was at? If he was, like, looking, if he murdered his brother because his brother's behavior was righteous, what do you think that means? Envious. I really wanted to, like, nail down this concept of, like, murder and hate because, again, Scripture informs itself. One book informs the other. Um, And I wanted to look at this idea of, okay, what started as an action of murder started first as a thought in the heart, right? And so when John is saying that you murder someone in your heart if you go to certain places, this is what he means, And he says, don't be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We're hated because we belong to Christ, and the world does not, right? So the same thing, Cain and Abel. Abel belonged to God, Cain did not. There's envy in the world because we have a relationship that the world doesn't have. So don't be surprised if you're out in the world loving Jesus and people hate on you because of it. That's what he's saying. There's envy. There's jealousy. So we're going to look now at James three thirteen through 16. Does anyone want to read it? I have it, but I'm tired of reading scripture to you guys. James 3, 13 through 16. Woo, that's intense. So this is a scripture that God has taken me to a number of years ago that he just kind of sat me in for a while, and then it goes on to talk about the wisdom that comes from heaven. But this first part I thought was super interesting for a couple reasons. It talks about bitter envy and selfish ambition a lot. And then it tells you where it comes from. Earthly thoughts and spiritual thoughts, demonic thoughts. And that was like, because I don't know about you guys, but I have actually been full of selfish ambition. I have wanted to climb over people. I have been angry because they got something that I didn't get in a position or um, recognition or, you know, things that I thought I was better qualified for. We've just said Cain was envious of his brother, and that's where the murder and the hate started in his heart. Right here, the scripture is saying again in James, bitter envy and selfish ambition are the opposite of love. Because what do bitter envy and selfish ambition, what do those two things concern themselves with? Self, yep. When you are thinking envious thoughts about what someone else has and you don't have it, you are concerned about yourself. And that is what your worship and your thought and your heart is revolving around. If you're full of ambition and it's selfish ambition, you're not looking out for the person next to you, you're just looking out for number one, it's the same thing. And that like love of self and that bitterness and that anger, it just kind of revolves and revolves and it's fertile ground for the demonic. Why was Satan thrown out of heaven? Does anyone know? He wanted to be like God. The scripture says that Satan was thrown out of heaven because he wanted to sit in the throne of the Most High. Satan was full of bitter envy and selfish ambition. So it's a check on us, and it's kind of a serious check, but like, let's be real. It's a good check. It's a heart check because it's easy to get twisted up in that stuff, and it can be so subtle, you guys. It can be so easy to just be like, that girl, that person, that whatever— has what I should have because X, Y, and Z. 
And you guys, I've done it. I've been in these thought patterns and this negativity, and it's ugly. And so for us, as we're thinking about what is love and what is not love, I think it's really important to really put a hard contrast there and to recognize the source and to recognize that there's a battle for us. Even after we belong to Christ, the number one thing the enemy wants you to do is be unproductive in your walk. He doesn't want you to grow. He doesn't want you to help other people to know God. And if he can focus you on yourself and he can focus you on what you do or don't have, he's already won, right? So what does it say? We've looked at that. What does it mean? We've looked at that. And then what does it mean to me? So I'm going to throw you guys into kind of a long conversation at the tables tonight. And I want you guys to break this um, scripture down a little bit more. And I want you to take um, the first part. It was 1 John 3, um, 16 through 18. And I want you to take 1 Corinthians 13. I think it's 4 through 9. And what we just did together, I want you to do in a little more, more detail and apply it to your own heart. Like, where are places that you're struggling? Where are places that you're doing really well? Um, how does, did you learn anything tonight? It, can this apply to your life practically tomorrow? Okay? So I'm going to give you guys about 30 minutes. Go ahead. Okay, guys, we're going to bring it back together for a couple few minutes. Um, so what did you guys learn? Does anyone want to share from their table? Was there anything that stood out to you, or did you find any deep and rich theological nuggets? Relational, emotional needs. Yeah, that's really good, Em. Thank you. What else, guys? Mo? not as much, yeah. That's good. Thanks, Mo. Who else? Anyone else want to share and be brave and be bold? Go ahead, girl.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. I know it's easy for us to like do the things that come naturally, right? But the things that don't come naturally are the places that God really wants to like work out. That's good. Thank you, Chica. One more. You need Jesus all day? Yeah. 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 We need Jesus all day, every day, every minute, every second. <laughs> Bees having church over there. I love it. Okay. So I just wanted to recap again that we talked the first week, like a life belonging to Jesus is obedience, right? And then tonight we've said love equals action. And we looked at 1 John 3 where it talks about needs. And so I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into that because remember, we're always going to say that Scripture informs itself. So we're not going to isolate pieces of Scripture. We're going to look around and see what Scripture has to say. Because here's the thing, guys. We are sinful people. And as sinful people, sometimes we can take things in our lives and call them needs that aren't needs. And so a question came up at my table, which was really good, because that's what we're talking about right now, is the difference between a need and a boundary, right? Um, How many of you guys know people or have been in relationships with people where there's a lot of drainage in your heart? Oh. (laughs) I was rhetorical, but thank you, Carter. (laughs) She's like, praise me. I'm there. Me too, girl. I've been in some of those. Um, that was really funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and sometimes we can also be those people, right, without even knowing or realizing that that's what we're doing. So as we read scripture that calls us to practical love and to reach out to the needs of those around us, I want to define what a need is and what a need is not. So to, d- to do that, we're going to read in Galatians chapter 6. So go ahead, and we're doing a lot of scripture looking tonight, guys, but it's good. Yeah, it's good stuff. Galatians chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 2. Make eye contact with me when you've got it. Oh, hi, Suze. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, it says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Okay, so verse 2 says, carry each other's burdens. That's how he starts. And then what does verse 5 say? Mm Mm-hmm. Each one carries his own load. This is literally the same paragraph, and it makes no sense from the surface, right? Because what does it mean to say carry each other's burdens, but each one carries his own? That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. So I think it's important to look at this idea of what is a burden and what is a load, because this all relates back to what is a need. Mm Mm-hmm. So each of us, guys, carries in our daily life um, situations, people, emotional things that we have to deal with that are daily things. Look back at verse 
for. Each one should test their own actions. There's something that we all have to do as human beings that means that we have to be responsible for our own emotional behavior, our own emotional and physical action, our own decision-making, that kind of thing. We are responsible for ourselves. Does that make sense? Each one carries his own load. So this is what you are responsible in yourself. And this is not anybody else's responsibility. Your emotional health is your responsibility. Does that make sense? Your spiritual health is your responsibility. That doesn't mean you don't ask for help when you need it, but my responsibility spiritually and emotionally is to God and to me. Nobody else is responsible for me. A burden is different than a load. Why? What's a load? Like a backpack. What's a burden? Like a boulder. Okay? A burden is a crisis. A burden is something that you cannot physically carry by yourself. This is something that happens to you. This is something that comes into your life that you have no capacity to carry. This is something that is outside of your control. Does that make sense? So what is a need? When are we supposed to carry each other's burdens? When there's something in my friend's life, in my sister in Christ's life, in my neighbor's life, that they cannot handle on their own. It's not possible for them. That is where I come alongside and where the scripture says, if you walk on by and you don't try to help them, that's a bad thing. That's a situation where you step in. What am I not responsible for? Somebody else's emotional and spiritual health. I'm responsible to love them. I'm not responsible for them. Does that make sense? Is there any confusion? Okay. Okay. 